Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. So Mark 5, starting at verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Richard, thank you very much uh, indeed. Uh, Please do keep that Bible passage open in front of you, Mark chapter 5, page 1007. And uh, as you do, let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we pray that uh, you, in your very great kindness, would speak to us as we open the Bible, which we believe is your word to us. Um, Help us not just to go through the motions now to do what we do uh, this time of the service, but may this be a time of deep and personal engagement with you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I uh, met with some friends on Tuesday evening, and as we wished each other a happy new year, I raised my glass of Diet Coke, and it was. And one of them said, let's hope this year is a better year. That is the great hope, of course, for many as we move from one year to the next. We hope for a good year. Or if uh, last year was a bad year, then we hope that this year is going to be a better one. Problem is, our hopes for a peaceful, safer 2017 were dashed almost before the year began. On the 1st of January, we awoke to the news that 39 people had been brutally gunned down in a Turkish nightclub as they celebrated the new year coming in. Uh, 2016 has ended with the sickening lorry attack on a Christmas market in Berlin, leaving 12 dead and another 49 wounded. 
So as we turned into 2017, we hoped this year would be a better year, but already it isn't. The shadow of death continues to hang over us. What is it that possesses someone to get behind the wheel of a truck and plough through a crowded Christmas market? What gets into a person that they would walk into a nightclub and indiscriminately shoot revellers? Or as has happened on Friday this week, walk into an airport in Florida and shoot five people dead? Of course, we don't know what was behind that latest shooting on Friday, but we know about the others, and the blight of our world that is global terrorism surely leaves us in no doubt that there are dark forces at work in this world, evil forces that bring destruction and death. And uh, if you're like me, when you see those sorts of things happening, how we long for a world free of that kind of evil. Well, this morning, as we turn to Mark chapter 5, we are brought face to face with evil, but we also see how Jesus Christ can defeat it. If you're taking notes, here's the first point, the first heading, the nature of evil, verses 1 to 5. Look again at verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Here is Jesus confronted by an evil spirit. Here is a demon. And in the demon then we meet undiluted, concentrated evil. And here we see what evil is all about, verse 3. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he'd often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. As I read those verses, did you see three times in four verses, Mark repeats that this demon-possessed man lived among the tombs. He lived in a graveyard, in, in the place of death, because that is the nature of evil, to take us to death, to destroy and to harm, as we read at the end of verse five. We have seen that all too painfully in these last weeks. Evil kills and destroys. It kills individuals. It attempts to wreck and destroy society. So the tombs are mentioned repeatedly, as are chains. Did you see that in verses 3 and 4? The uh, people of the town had tried their best to chain, to restrain the demon-possessed man, but to all their best efforts, uh, there was failure. Whatever they tried wasn't enough to hold back this immense power and again that is how it seems today as we try to restrain the evil in our world look I thank God for the security services in Britain and for the remarkable intelligence operations that foil plot after terrifying plot that attempts to cause havoc and destruction in Britain and around the world but despite the best efforts of the best counter-terrorism groups all over the world we can't stop evil it still manages to cause havoc and wreck lives. We'll look back then in Jesus' day. No one was strong enough to shackle and restrain this demon-possessed man. The dark forces of evil in this world are very powerful. What a terrifying figure this man must have been. His strength, it seems, was superhuman. Like the Incredible Hulk, he could break out of any restraint put on him. I imagine parents telling their children never to walk via the, grave, the graveyard. 
Uh, never mind children, I imagine adults uh, going nowhere near him, always taking the long route home. Indeed, I imagine even the toughest, bravest, strongest men in the area being fearful of this man. This evil lurking presence had blighted the whole area. People feared for their lives. The man who lived in the place of death could and would take others to their death. In short, here we see that evil is is powerful and too powerful for us. Quite apart from the chains, we see it in the man himself. He couldn't free himself from the evil spirit that had possessed him. Now please, as an aside, can I urge you never to dabble in the dark forces that are in this world. Don't ever play around with Ouija boards or attend seances. And teach your children to stay away from these things too. So at Halloween, don't celebrate it. Don't make light of the dark. Teach your children to stay away from witches and the evil dark forces of the underworld. Because when evil gets a foothold, it will not let go. And as we see here, the dark forces of evil in this world are way more powerful than we are. All that said, the dark forces of evil are not only at work in the occult and and through terrorism... They are, as the Apostle Paul writes, at work in rulers and authorities and in the powers in this world. And look, the big thing to see here is that evil is real and that it is immensely powerful, more powerful than you and me, more powerful than anything humanity can do to restrain it. And evil is out to kill and destroy. Just look at this demon-possessed man. He had nothing left. Everything had been taken from him. Friends, family, life, hope. He wasn't living, not in any real sense. He was merely existing among the dead. He was a walking dead man. Now before we move on, and it's very tempting just to go on to the next section, but before we move on, please let this sink in. If you are fearful of evil, if as I've been reading this, fear has been rising up in you, at one sense that's exactly what we should be feeling. If you're feeling vulnerable as we look at this and insecure, that is the way we should feel in one sense. There is a personal force of the most wicked evil that exists in this world and we human beings have no way of stopping it and it is hell-bent on its mission to kill and destroy us. And we do really need to feel that for this reason, because if we don't feel it, we'll look to all sorts of other solutions to overcome this evil. We'll look to military solutions or intelligence operations or political negotiations. We might be tempted to think that it's an issue of education or, or, or you know, a, sociologi- a sociological solution. Now, laudable as all those things are, they are not the solution to evil. None of them can give us the security and safety that we crave. None of those things can restrain evil. They try, but they will never be completely successful. None of them can rid this world of this evil that is in the world. None of them can rescue us from the devil's scheme to kill and destroy. So feel it. The nature of evil. Secondly, if you're taking notes, Jesus lord over evil. This is verses 6 to 13. Look at verse 6. When he, 
that is the demon-possessed man, saw Jesus from a distance. He ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. You see there in verse 8, Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to leave the man. And the response of the evil spirit tells us so much about Jesus. First, verse 6, the man is down on his knees in front of Jesus. Next, verse 7, he acknowledges that Jesus is the son of the most high God. Isn't that striking? In the spirit world, there is no question over Jesus' identity. There's no argument here about who is boss. The demonic forces of this world know that Jesus is, what's the phrase, the son of the most high God. Verse uh, verse 7. And the the most high is, as the name suggests, the the highest, the most powerful one in the entire universe. There is no one higher. Uh, The phrase, the most high God, if you want to chase it up later, is repeatedly used in the book of Daniel and repeatedly used in the seventh chapter of the book of Daniel. Uh, We had it read earlier. In that chapter, uh, it's a chapter that reveals the dark forces of evil that are at work in this world. And if you read through Daniel chapter 7 from the beginning, you will see it is terrifying to see the evil that is seemingly unstoppable. And yet, in Daniel chapter 7, when the Ancient of Days, the Most High God, walks onto the stage, there is now no question who's in control. Now that is what we're seeing here in Mark chapter 5. The evil spirits know exactly who Jesus is. He is the son of the most high and they treat him as such on their knees before him, begging him not to torture him. I find it fascinating because I spend a lot of my time discussing with people the identity of Jesus. I have people inquiring about Christianity and we look at the evidence about who Jesus is. But how does it turn out? Most human beings refuse to accept that Jesus is, as he claims to be, the Lord God Almighty. So human beings won't see it, but here in the unseen spirit world, there is no question about who Jesus is. Everyone in the spirit realm knows that Jesus is the supreme governor, the son of the most high, that he rules, and that is very clear here. Here is a demon-possessed man that no human being can control, yet just a sentence from Jesus and the evil spirit is on his knees begging. And then verse 9, Jesus asked the evil spirit, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And it's at this point we really discover the extent of this man's possession. He is possessed not just by one demon, but by a whole army of them, a legion. And a legion in Roman times consists of thousands of soldiers. Here is a man who is possessed by an army, an army of undiluted wickedness. I don't know whether you've seen it, but if you've seen the films of the Lord of the Rings trilogy... Recall those powerful images of vast armies of grotesque and immensely powerful bloodthirsty monsters marauding in their thousands. Here they are, thousands of them, possessing one man. And if there are are that many in one man, consider how many there are in the unseen world all around us. It is terrifying. In this man is a force that is more powerful than we can imagine. And in this man, we are presented with a situation that is utterly beyond human solution. 
but what is impossible with man is possible with God. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Here was a force of destruction so utterly powerful that no human being could resist or control it, but with just a word, Jesus banishes it. Verse 13, he gave permission. That's striking, isn't it? They couldn't do anything without his command. Jesus is Lord. And the moment he gave permission, the legion of evil spirits came out of the man and into the herd of pigs. Suddenly the pigs are off, like a stampeding herd of wildebeest charging down a bank, and then, like lemmings, cascading to their death, drowned in a lake. And so in a moment... In an instant, Jesus had dealt with and destroyed a legion of evil spirits. What had been impossible for human beings seems to be easy for Jesus. It was no contest. Here we are then at the beginning of 2017, witnessing once again acts of such wicked terror that we are surely left in no doubt that there are dark forces of evil in this world. Uh, We've seen the the devastating carnage of a powerful evil presence that is determined to bring death and destruction. And despite all our best efforts, people's lives continue to be wrecked and ruined. We cannot restrain this evil. As a result, we live under the shadow of death. Whether we go to a Christmas market or a nightclub or a sports stadium or a beach in Tunisia or a cafe in, in Paris or take the tube in London or a plane anywhere. As one journalist wrote after the 9-11 attacks, if Washington is not safe, if the Pentagon is not safe, then quite simply nowhere is safe. We're not safe. At least not on our own we're not. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus is powerful to save. Jesus is Lord of all. And I do mean all. Look back to verse 1. Mark tells us see where all this happened. It's in the region of the Gerasenes. Now, that might not mean much to us, but the crucial thing to note is that this is not Jewish territory. You don't need an A-level in geography or an encyclopedic knowledge of the ancient Near East to know that. The herd of pigs tells us that. This was not Jewish territory because the Jews wouldn't have anything to do with pigs. Wouldn't then, wouldn't today. So here is Jesus beyond the borders of Israel, and yet he is still completely powerful over all. Now, I know that won't surprise many of us because we come here every week and we know that. I know it's also not an issue for many of us, but it is very significant throughout many parts of the world because there are many places and many cultures in our world where local deities rule. Areas and cultures in the world where ancestral worship and basic animism is practiced. In these places, local gods are very powerful. But they only have powerful they only have power in that area or in a family. Their power doesn't extend everywhere. That's why this is so brilliant. There's no question of that kind of limited power when it comes to Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord beyond the borders of Israel. He is Lord throughout the world. That is the breadth of his lordship. And of course here we see the depth of his lordship too. Jesus is lord over the the dark evil forces of the underworld. So no matter where you look, far and wide, high and deep, Jesus is lord. He is the most high God. 
So as we live under the shadow of death, when we don't feel safe anywhere because of the evil that is at work in our world, run to Jesus. He is Lord everywhere. And he is the loving Lord who longs to bring deliverance and salvation, which is exactly what we see here and see next. That having said that, before we do move on, I must say something about the pigs. You see, whenever I've led Bible studies on this passage, uh, a few times down through the years, uh, people nearly always ask me, why did Jesus allow the demons to go into the pigs? Well, my answer is, it, it was for our benefit. First, it shows the extent of this man's possession. See, 2,000 pigs were possessed. There really had been a legion of evil spirits in that man. And second, this demonstrates what we've already seen, namely that the the one aim of evil is death and destruction. The evil spirits destroyed the pigs. That's all they did to them. So casting out the evil forces into the pigs was for our benefit, for us to see. It enabled us to see what we cannot see with our eyes. It was a physical demonstration of the reality of things going on in, in the unseen world. Still, Even with that explanation, I know that as we sit here, some people will still be disturbed by the death of the pigs. Uh, People often say to me, poor pigs. Uh, My response to meat eaters here is, when did you ever feel sympathy towards the little snorters the last time you had a bacon sandwich or a pork pie? So please, meat eaters, no more poor pigs. That one doesn't rub. For the vegetarians among us, allow me to suggest that Jesus' concerns are greater than ours. And we'll see that. Uh, in a moment the nature of evil Jesus lord over evil and thirdly Jesus good or evil partly because of what happens to the pigs in verses 14 to 20 uh, we see two responses to this incident uh, and some clearly think that Jesus is good and some are not so sure Uh, there's the response of the people of the region And then there's the response of the man formerly known as the demon-possessed man. First then, the response of the people, verses 14 to 17. Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who'd been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. The pig keepers reported the news. News spread and it seemed that everyone who could went out to the scene of the event. And what did they see? Verse 15, they saw the man who had been possessed sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Not chained and no longer dangerous. He may have even had his best suit on, I don't know. And end of verse 15, do you see it? They were afraid. Well, I bet they were afraid of Jesus. He had that kind of power. It's exactly the same response uh, the disciples had when Jesus stilled the storm at the end of chapter 4. Look back to chapter 4, verses uh, 39 uh, to 41. Jesus got up. He was in a boat. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? There's the response. Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. They asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. 
See, here is Jesus out on a lake with his disciples in another impossible situation, in a great storm where chaos ruled and death threatened. They thought they were going to drown. Here was another situation where the disciples had no way of rescuing themselves, and yet with just a word, Jesus brought peace and safety into the situation. But here's the thing. Because they didn't understand who Jesus was, they were afraid. You see, verse 40 makes it very clear in Mark's gospel that fear is the antithesis of faith. If you don't know who Jesus is and you witness this extraordinary power, you will be fearful of him. Just as people are fearful of the unhinged leader of North Korea, Kim Jong-un. When someone has that sort of power the sort of power that he has, then you don't trust him. World leaders don't trust him. You're right to be fearful when you see people of great power when you don't know whether they're good or not. Well, So in Mark chapter 5, the people of the area were afraid. And verse 16, those who'd seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Their pleading is exactly the same word as the demons begging in verses 10 and verse 12. It's very striking, isn't it? Leave, get, get away from us, Jesus. Leave our region. They should have taken one look at the man who'd been demon-possessed and asked, who is this? Even the dark forces of evil obey him. Who can control evil? They should have worked it out. It's God. They should have seen the good that Jesus had done in ridding their area of the threat of death. They should have seen Jesus' remarkable compassion for a poor man who'd been caught in a living hell. They should have seen that Jesus has the power to deliver us from evil and death. They should have asked Jesus to stay with them forever. But do you notice what it says at the end of verse 16? When they heard about the pigs, they asked him to leave. See, here's the thing. They were more concerned about pigs than people. Poor pigs. Perhaps they were more, we don't know, but perhaps they were more concerned for their livelihood than to see people delivered from death and destruction. So there's the first response. The response of the people of the area fearfully begging Jesus to leave them. Now the second, the second response, the response of the man formerly known as the demon-possessed man Verses 18 to 20. Look at verse 18. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who'd been demon-possessed begged to go with him. He's begging too, but he's begging to stay with Jesus. He knows what Jesus has done for him. He knows that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord over evil. No one else had ever been able to sort him out. He knows that Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can give him safety and security, make him safe from evil. Safe from death and destruction. He begs Jesus, let me stay with you. But despite his begging, and I love this. Look at verse 19. This is very special. Jesus didn't let him go with him. But said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Now, isn't that beautiful in verse 19? Jesus gave the man his life back. He gave him back to his family. Go home. Well, we don't know how long he'd been demon-possessed. Could have been years. Could have been years. Hadn't seen his family. Go back. 
That's what Jesus does. He gives us a life and a quality of life that could be found nowhere else. He restores relationships. He gives us a life where we need no longer fear, evil and death. Knowing that, that whatever happens, whatever happens, I'm in the safe and strong and kind arms of Jesus, the Son of the Most High. That is safe now and forever. You see, because all of this is pointing to the eternal life that Jesus has come to bring. It's all pointing to the the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth that Jesus one day will usher in. On that day, we will have a world, well, I think the world that we all long for deep down, a world free from evil, where there is no threat of death, no chaos, but just peace and calm. Joy, beauty. See, having a glimpse of that and indeed experiencing that kind of new life in Jesus, we'll want to share it with everyone, with our family and anyone we meet, which is exactly how this man responded in verse 20. Couldn't stop talking about it. This is good news that everyone needs to hear, isn't it? So here we are at the beginning of 2017. Hoping it'll be a good one, better than last year perhaps, but not knowing what the year will bring. What we do know is that this world has a very dark force at work in it. A force that is more powerful than us. A force that is very able to overwhelm us and destroy us. Indeed, wants to do that. So with that kind of future, with that kind of thought, why would we not run to Jesus Christ, the Son of the Most High God, to give us security and peace, the security and peace we long for deep down? Why would we not run to Jesus and have the confidence of an ultimate future free from all evil and death? Of course, I know as I look around this room that many of you have done that. But this says keep doing it. When you see the evil in the world, don't sort of think there's another solution. Don't put your hopes on other things. Hope, trust in Jesus alone. For he is the only one who is this powerful. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we walk through this um, shaky, uncertain world where there is plenty of threat, we thank you that in the Lord Jesus there is security, not a guarantee that nothing bad's going to happen, but one that we know is in control and one who can take us to that final wonderful place of security and a total freedom, freedom from death and sickness and all troubles. And so we pray that uh, at the beginning of this new year we would turn to him, or maybe in a renewed way turn to him and trust him for our future and forevermore. Amen.